morning, everybody. God is good. And all the time, amen and amen. So all hail the King and our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise and adulation resound upon hearing his name. Our Lord and our God forever and ever. He took on the sins of the world so that we may be free of Satan's grasp. He was tortured, crucified, and died for us. We worship you, Lord Jesus, and we pray that you will show us the way to be worthy of you, the way to be worthy of you and to walk in your path as examples of your love and goodness. In Christ's most holy name we pray. Amen. Please stand. Shine your light on the world. Your love is our bread. Your grace is our wine. You are the example of what we need to do to make the world a holy place in which to live. And while the task you set before us seems insurmountable, your light shines through the cracks and crevices on the mountain of sin and death. That is the world system. Simple acts of goodness belie the darkness and bring people to the light. A great example is the Christmas boxes in the back of the room back there, people. So much good, so many changed lives by just receiving a simple shoebox full of toys, trinkets, toothbrushes, and goodwill. Bonnie was telling me last night of some of the life-changing events that have come from the program. Um, one of the things that goes into the boxes is a letter from the sender to the recipient some people put their contact information in there. there. And there have been stories of kids becoming pen pals with the sender. One story is that 20 years after the gift was given, the recipient traveled to meet the giver, and they fell in love and got married. Another is that a gift, the gift prompted a young man to become a minister in his community. Every gift of goodwill leaves an indelible mark upon the soul of the recipient and drives a deeper wedge into the evil of this world. This program is just one example of what we can do to help people reach Jesus. Our example of being a Christ follower helps to shine 
the light of Christ into the darkness. Jesus, be glorified in me. Help me to show your love to everyone I meet. Help me to do your work in this world and bring others to you. We pray in your name. Amen. Before you and worship your name, O Emmanuel, O Jehovah, O Jesus. You came down from heaven to clear a path for us to live with you in heaven and left us a living legacy of love, showing us how to live and how to face the inequities of this world. Please help us to be like you. Please help us to reach for worthiness in your eyes. Please help us, Lord. We need you. Amen.
worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one we could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one we could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will Shaken, 
worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Please be seated. Whoop. Pick loose. I got it. Sorry. All right. One second, please. Oh, thank you, Naomi. And what about Naomi? So will you please uh, read with me, ladies and gentlemen. Restore us again, God our Savior, and put away your displeasure towards us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will listen to what God the Lord says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful servants, but let them not turn to folly. Surely his salvation is near for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. All right, so... We can see that the Hebrews wanted a renewal with God after their behavior angered him. They begged God to renew their land and restore them. Can we not see the same thing happening here? The United States at one time a shining beacon on the hill is being laid low by the rise of secularism. There is a direct correlation between the unholy acts of man and the decline of our great country. The rise of abortion, the unapologetic promotion of war, the distraction from what is good and holy, and the celebration of what is sinful and dishonest. We see it everywhere. God's anger is apparent as we faster and faster slide towards totalitarianism. We worship idols of money, power, and self-involvement and forget charity, peace, and fear of God. This can't end well for us. Yet the good news is that he is here, waiting for us to come back in repentance and faith. He will take us back to his bosom. All we have to do is believe. Once we believe with all our hearts, minds, and souls, the nature of Christ will guide us. Show us your love, Lord, that we may turn the tide back towards your countenance. Show us the way home. Amen.
All right. Uh, so again, uh, Pastor Luz on uh, on vacation uh, today. Uh, so we've got a guest speaker with us named Angel Madera. Angel is a wonderful brother uh, in the Lord. He's quite the student uh, of the scriptures. Uh, Angel has taken many classes, more classes than he can count. Yeah, mm -hmm, okay. Um, studying all all aspects of the Bible, uh, and I know I know I for one learn a lot when when Angel's with us, uh, and we uh, we. Uh, truly appreciate uh, Angel being with us today, uh, filling in for Pastor Lou. So, with that, Angel, yes. the pulpit's yours, sir. Thank you. Sir. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. You know, he forgot to uh, say that along with uh, all the classes I took, uh, I'm a graduate student of the Kelsey School of uh, Grammar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, it's so good to be here with all of you today. Uh, it's always a blessing for me to be here and to be able to minister to you and to bless you with God's word. Um, Today, I want to speak to you from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to verse 30, right? From the NLT version, which is the New Living Translation, okay? Uh, but any translation you have will do. But myself being so passionate about reading so many different translations, everything from French to Portuguese to Latin, uh, what else? Italian, uh, and I like to dabble a little in the Chinese with some coaching, but um, so it's always fun aside from the Hebrew and the Greek, but uh, the NLT will do, and uh, I'm so happy to share these scriptures with you. So let us read, amen? And it says, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are, what? Weary and carry heavy burdens. And I will give you, what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find, what? Rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Amen. Let us pray. Father, I thank you so much for the reading of your word. But Father, I thank you for your presence. Father, that is evident here in the presence of your children. Father, I just ask that you bless each and every one of them. Father, with insight. Father, and with power. Father, that comes from your word and your wisdom. Lord, I just ask for your blessing, O oh Lord God, by the Spirit to cover us all this day so that we may hear and do what you, O oh Lord, have called us and command us to do. This I ask and this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes, so today the title of the message is called Find a True Rest in Him. Uh, you know, the intro to this message 
I want to come from two experiences that in life that I've had, one of which when uh, I was in the military serving in the armed forces, the army, as a matter of fact. And I remember there was a time in which they had us do what they call road marches. And these things were not pleasant, simply because, you know, the convincing factor was is that they would tell you, okay, we're going to march X amount of miles, and then they would tell you, put this backpack on. And so they would tell you, well, this is what you have to put in this pack. So you put this backpack on, and at first it seems so easy and so light to bear, and you're walking and you're marching, and, you know, it's bearable, and... So all of a sudden you say, okay, we're, we're two, three miles into this and we're going to make it. We're going to be fine. And you start wondering, you know, how much more? And you start counting down and you start asking as the journey progresses, how much farther, how much longer? And so as you continue to go further and further, the pack that in the beginning they told us that they didn't want the packs that you were wearing on your back to weigh, you know, more than between 10 or 15 pounds, you know, because they wanted you to be able to bear the burden and at the same time finish the whole thing. When you start getting around the fifth and around the 10th mile, what weight between 10 to 15 pounds starts to weigh between 20 and 25 pounds. And the further you go, it starts to get heavier and heavier. And it's interesting because you start to do all these types of things to make these adjustments to try to, you know, ease this tension off your back and off your mind. And you start to walk and you start to march and you start to talk to people and you try to, you know, keep concentrated but not so concentrated on the burden that you're carrying. And so here you go like you're into your 10th mile and then you ask your commanding sergeants how much further and they're telling you we have another 10 miles to go. And you're wondering if this weighs this much at this point, I can't imagine what it's going to weigh the next five miles down. And so you start to have this inner struggle with yourself. Can I do this? Or can, uh, you know, is there any way to lighten this load? But then you know, well, I do have to carry this load. I do have to bear this burden. And so... You know, we start to take breaks in between. We start to now have these water breaks, and they have us change even our socks and stuff like that. But the burden is still there. And so another point and another experience, and I'm setting this up, and you'll see why, uh, was, and this is going to show my age, okay? And you'll probably say, you look so young, but... When I was a child, my father used to take me to the drive-in theater in Howell, New Jersey, right? Big old screen there. And during the movie, I remember there was what was called what? The intermission, right? Everybody would go to the snack bar, and it was like, oh, great, hot food, all kinds of stuff, right? And so the intermission, you know, gave you that point where it could just help you to reprocess what you're seeing Okay, you just saw that part of the movie and you're processing everything going on. Now you start to, you know, take this intermission and you start to reflect on what you saw to then get into the next part. It's interesting because here in Scripture, Jesus is saying in verse 28 all the way to 30, he says, 
Come unto me. He says, come to me. There is no other religion in this world in which the actual central figures of those religions actually say, come to me. Jesus is the only one. Moses, even in the Judaic faith, never says, come to me. It's interesting because Jesus is the only voice in all the faiths of this world, and it's the only true faith because Jesus is the way. He is the only one that resonates with this call to come to me. And this call is not something that just is given and passes away. It is a call that resonates from generation to generation. It is a call that resonates over every issue of the human life. It is a call that transcends over every historical tragedy and trauma that a nation can go through. Jesus still stands and says, come to me. It is interesting because when people hear that, they say, well, what does he mean, come to me? Well, you know, like, come to him in what? Why is Jesus saying, come to him? Why is it that uh, this, this man who died uh, on the cross, but yet we know that while he was God, he was fully, uh, fully man, he was fully God, he is saying, come to me, all of you. It's interesting because... You know, the little joke we had at the beginning about the Kelsey School of Grammar. Uh, here, there is an interesting thing that Jesus uses here in the grammatical structure of the scripture. Uh, in the Greek grammar, when he says, come to me, he is not saying, come to me, hey, if you would like to. He is not saying, come to me, hey, if you feel like it. The grammar structure of coming to me is actually a strong command. It is actually in the presence and in the voice of shouting to everyone. And he is saying to everyone that is going through something, he is saying, come to me. Even to the person that is struggling mentally, does not know what they're going to do, what direction of life to take. Jesus is saying, come to me, come to me, come to me. Why? Because I have what you need. I am the one that you can communicate these burdens to. I am the one that can fill you and can give you the strength so that you can continue to go on. I am the one that has the power and the authority over all the wisdoms of this earth and I can give you a wisdom that no man can give you so that you can bear with whatever is causing you to be weary and Whatever burden is weighing you down. The word weary here in this text uh, comes from a Greek word that actually means depleted. Have you ever felt so depleted that you basically, I mean, in my situations of life of going through trials and tribulations, there are things that deplete us on such a level that at times you just want to shut the door to the world. Because we know we have to engage in a daily basis with this world. 
The world is so real in that it has no prejudice as to who it lays its burdens on. No matter how painful, it doesn't care how old you are, it doesn't care where you come from, the world will just leave it at your feet, ring the doorbell, leave, and just when you open it, there are all kinds of things waiting for you at your front door that will bring you weariness, that will bring you pain. But Jesus says, yes, I know that those things come to you in your path, but I am telling you to come to me. In the Old Testament, Moses, when he brings the people of Israel out of Egypt, they go through this journey and they need intermissions in between. Because now they have to process that they have been suffering for so long. They have been oppressed for so long. They were trying to move forward in life. They could not advance. And all of a sudden, one day, a person that used to be part of that government, now he has come back as a mediator and he is telling them, the God of your fathers has a place for you to bring you to a place of rest. And I am here to give you this message that the God of your father sent me here to actually bring you out of this place and to lead you across the wilderness so that you can finally find that place of rest. Well, when we look at the New Testament, someone else came as a mediator to come to all of those that are just tired of the oppression of life. They are tired of being weary. They are tired of always feeling that they cannot make some type of advancement, that they just can't just move forward, that every time they feel that they're trying to move forward in some type of way, something just continuously keeps pulling them back. But God sends his son, the perfect mediator. Oh, what a beautiful thing. <clears throat> he sends the perfect mediator to come and to give us the message, to give us the best good news and to tell us that the father of heaven has provided a rest. And that rest is so effective. It is not a material rest in which men put their faith in. Because we live in a world in which greediness is so rampant that it is just basically causing all kinds of chaos. It is causing all types of economic issues throughout this world. But he gives us a rest to let us know that if we should find ourselves in these type of situations, we know who is with us. We know that Jesus, our Savior, is always with us. He will give us the power. He will give us the strength to transcend over those mountains. He will give us everything that we need. And we can sleep at night knowing that our Redeemer lives. It is interesting because then in the next verse, verse 29, Jesus says, and I'll read it to you. Take my yoke upon you. It's interesting because, you know, have you ever come across anybody that tries to put this yoke on you and tell you, hey, if you just try this for the next four or five days, you're just going to feel wonderful. For the low price of $19.99 for the next three months. Right? You're just going to feel fantastic and, you know, you're just going to have this all figured out. And they try to put these yokes on you to give you these guarantees. 
but no one can give you those guarantees. The only one that can give you the actual guarantee of this rest of mind, this intermission that we all need from time to time. How many of us here have been through such really hard and traumatic experiences of life where we are saying to God through our tears, we are saying, God, I need a break. I need a break from all of this. This is just too much. The tension on this thing is just stretching me and pulling me into so many different directions. Lord, I need a break. Lord, I need a break without realizing that subconsciously that we are actually talking to the one who can give us that break. And when we talk to him, he knows the actual tension that we are feeling. He lived it in his human life. He knows what it is to find himself on the floor, face down in the dirt when he was in Gethsemane. And he is just hours away, less than 24 hours away from going to the cross. And he is praying to his father to the point where in the Greek language it says in those scriptures that he was suffering an agony that it even transcended into his physical body where it says that his capillaries were actually exploding to the point where he was sweating drops as blood. Jesus knows what it is to be on the ground face first. He knows what it is to cry out to his father, even asking the father, Father, uh, pass from me this cup, uh, but not my will be done, but yours be done. It takes a tremendous amount of power and strength to actually in those places of high tension that while we are in one part asking God for rest, <laughs> a part of us is saying, but why do I feel like I should go on? Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls because that is the target area of Satan. It is the actual soul where our sentiments, our thoughts, our ability to process to process life and problems where we try to negotiate and renegotiate with ourselves during the moments of the highest tensions of what we are going through. And that is exactly Satan's bullseye of his target of where he always shoots to afflict us. It is in that place where he knows where our minds start to run away from us. Imagination starts to take place. We start thinking that God has forsaken us. We start thinking under so much pressure and pain and the weight upon our minds that God is nowhere around, that maybe God is doing this to me. Maybe God is afflicting me. Maybe because the other day when I didn't say thank you to that person or maybe because I didn't call this person back or, you know, I, I saw an opportunity to do a good deed and I didn't do it. Maybe this is God's way of punishing me. Because that's what happens in the human mind when we start to process, when we are going through affliction. We never think that maybe it could be life, maybe it could be the devil. But no, the human mind immediately wants to go and say, no, God is doing this to me. We never think about the fact that if God is seeing us go through the affliction, how often do we meditate in the scripture when he says, 
I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The never in that sentence, in that scripture, is such a powerful, powerful statement because when Jesus says this, he says never. He is actually using a grammar, putting a period. He is saying never, period. I will never, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am here to the very end with you. And here in this text, he says, take my yoke upon you. Lord, what is your yoke? It's interesting because there is a teaching. Um, there is a teaching regarding the young bull and the old bull. It's a Greek teaching in which it teaches that a young bull is placed on a yoke with an old bull. And the young bull who has never been yoked before has by nature the tendency when they feel that they're being pushed in a certain direction, that they will go either to the right or to the left. So they yoke the animal with the mature animal that has already been conditioned to walk the straight and narrow path. So that therefore, when the young bull has the tendency to go to the left or to the right, the old bull is there through his experiences to actually keep plowing and to keep going straight. Jesus teaches us and he says, take my yoke upon you. He is not telling us to take the yoke without him. I'm here to tell you, he is never telling us to do things without him. He is not telling us, take my yoke and we'll talk Wednesday. He is not telling us, take my yoke and, uh, you know, I think Saturday is going to work for me. Is 7 o'clock in the morning work for you? Uh, I'll see you then. Uh, no, that is not what Jesus is saying. When he is actually saying, take my yoke, he is talking about doing it in tandem. He is talking about doing it with him. Because look what he says. He says, take my yoke upon you and let me teach you. That is why in the teaching of Jesus in how to deal with these things that want to steer us away from him and steer us away from that rest in him. Jesus is saying in this unity with me, in this communion with me, I am going to teach you and not just teach you, but I am going to bless you with rest for your mind, strength for your spirit and rest for your body. So that therefore you will see that everything that you need, everything regarding wisdom and rest for your soul is found in me. The world offers so many things to us in trying to convince us of what we can find rest in. When we think of rest, you know, uh, you know, for myself, being so close to retirement, uh, I'm thinking palm trees and beaches. When I think of rest, I'm thinking about uh, 73, 75 degree weather all year round. When I think of rest, I'm thinking about, you know, debt free. I'm thinking of so many things when it comes to thinking about rest. No problems. None whatsoever. Everything is just peachy. Everything is just wonderful. But we know that living here on earth, that is not true. 
We need someone to guide us and to give us the strength. We need someone to take us by the hand and to assure us and let us know you are going to get through this. I am with you to take you by the hand. We are going to get through this together as two oxen yoked together. We are united. United how, Lord? United by the Spirit. Because it is in the Spirit of God where we find liberty, as Paul says. Verse 30 says, For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give you, light. Hmm. Light. That's interesting. Lord, what do you mean by light? That the burden that you give me is light. There are times in which God moves us to actually help each other in the body of Christ and help our brothers to bear burdens. How do we help them? Hey, a simple phone call helps, a text message helps. You know, uh, prior to coming here to preach, um, I was receiving uh, text messages from people from out of state uh, who I love them and I consider them like family. I don't talk to them every day, but when they do text me, I know that God is moving them. And one of the texts I got was, I'm praying for you. That's all they said. I'm praying for you. It's interesting how a little simple text like that lifted me up. It gave me so much strength and so much power because there were moments, I don't know about you. Have you ever felt like there were times that you just couldn't pray? That you felt like you didn't even know where to start the prayer? And because we're mature adults, we want to basically be sincere with Jesus. We want to be so transcend or so transparent with Jesus that we just don't want to be phony before his presence because we know that his eyes look right to our hearts every time we offer our prayers. And he knows what we're trying to basically bring to his feet. And so we try to be as transparent to Jesus and honest. And there are times in which we are under so much pressure. We are under feeling so many things coming at us. And we are trying to pray and we just go into the posture of prayer. And we just don't know where to start the prayer. Because we feel so afflicted on the inside that we don't know what to say. And we want to be honest. One of the things that have helped me in my prayer life in talking to the Lord is telling the Lord, Lord, uh, I, I, I want to start this prayer, Lord, and I want to be honest and I want to be sincere. I'm hurting right about here. I'm hurting right now. And I know that we'll get further into that. But, Lord, you have taught me. Let's start this prayer with just gratitude. Lord, I thank you so much because your word says that by you, now we have access to the throne of grace. Through you, I can go to the Father and I can just freely just go to the Father. Father, thank you so much for sending your Son. And once the prayer begins just with gratitude, Lord, thank you. I love what Jesus did when he was standing before the tomb of Lazarus. When he was standing before the tomb of Lazarus, before he raises Lazarus from the dead, right before that, he says, Father, I thank you because you always hear me. There are prayers that sometimes have begun in my personal life with just tears. Because of the fact is, it's just, you know, um, in, in dealing with life and engaging with life and then the challenges of life. And I have to be totally honest with you. Uh, yes, the, the powers of darkness, they know who the messengers of God are. The powers of darkness know 
who everyone in this room is. They know that we are all believers. Please don't find it a coincidence or a strange thing if the powers of darkness were to attack your life, you know, with all sorts of things. That's not a strange thing. That is a common thing to happen against those who belong to Jesus. But the common thing that happens to those that belong to Jesus, when we do suffer those things and they come from the darkness, is that Jesus is our deliverer. He is the one that gives us the rest and lets us know, yes, you will triumph over this. The devil has no power over you. In one account, um, Jesus turns to one of his disciples and he says, uh, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired uh, to sift you like wheat. I don't know if you've ever watched the process of how they sift wheat um, in the Middle East, and I'm, I believe they still do it here in the States, but they would take the grain and they would just, you know, to separate the seed from the grain, they would just toss it up into the air. And so the wind would just basically carry it. And whatever was heavy would fall. And whatever was light would just be carried away by the wind. And it was just this constant just lifting and tossing and tossing and tossing. And, and Jesus tells his disciple, Satan has desired to do to you what they do with the wheat and the grain when they throw it up in the air. And that is what Satan wants to do with you. He wants to just toss you and just toss you and toss you up and watch you just fall to the ground. He wants to see you just completely be destroyed. But Jesus turns around and tells his disciple, but fear not because I prayed for you. I already prayed for you. And when you are strengthened, he says, and basically, in the actual original languages, and when you come out of this, strengthen your brothers. God does not allow our afflictions and our tribulations to just basically, you know, be these passing things in our life. When we go through things, he actually uses those things to then strengthen us so that we can strengthen someone else. That is how we strengthen the community of faith. That is how we strengthen our brothers and sisters. That is how we lead them to the place of rest in Christ Jesus. Verse 30 says, For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. This burden that he gives us that is so light, it is the simplicity of just turning to him. The opening scripture he says, come to me, come to me. He is right there asking us to actually negotiate and renegotiate with ourselves and to actually take an inventory. What have you been negotiating with? And what is really giving you rest? When you tried this, did that give you, did that provide the rest that you wanted for your soul? You know, is that working for you? Come to me and let me teach you. You will find that rest. You will find that within that rest there are promises. Within those promises you will see that there is actually power at work in your life. It doesn't feel like that many times, but it actually is manifesting from day to day. I mean, if we think about the things that we have been through to where we are today, I myself can only say, had it not been for Jesus... 
I am here today by the grace of God and by God's power in his son Jesus Christ and his spirit. I can say that uh, when I look back and I, I say, how is that possible that I went through that? How is that possible that I'm over here and I'm not over there? Uh, I have to say, no, it's not the universe as the world is trying to tell everybody. You know, how many of you have heard that lately? Oh, the universe is smiling on you. Oh, it's that the universe is, you know, is, is heard you. I want to make it very clear. Uh, the universe, as mentioned in Scripture, is a creation of God. Okay? The universe, as we see in Genesis chapter 1, is a creation of God. It is not a person. It is an impersonal creation, meaning that the universe is not a person. The universe does not know our names. It does not know of our existence. It is a creation of God. I know that certain Eastern religions, they try to present it, but as a minister and as a messenger of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and not in theory, if not in something that I have lived, something that I have experienced, and something that God himself has shown me, okay, I can tell you the universe is not listening. God is listening. At 3 o'clock in the morning when we're in the hospitals and we don't know what's going on, that's like just recently my wife, she, you know, two weeks ago, uh, had to take her to the hospital at 2 o'clock in the morning because of kidney stones again. In my 26 years of being married to my wife, we have been to the hospital for the same thing, I would say now going about 30 times. And in each time, she's had to spend anywhere between three days to almost a week. So you could just count the days and just breathing in pain. And so uh, going after it, going through it and going through it and then wondering when does this stop and when does this stop to the point now. And I give all the glory to the Lord that now when it happens, I say, babe, let's just pack up a bag and let's just go. The Lord is good. He's with us. We're going to be fine. And so. You know, I look at it now and I say, where does this rest come from? How is it that I can say something like that now? It has become through the cultivation of actually obeying what Jesus has told us to do and coming to him, coming to him in tears, coming to him angry. I tell people all the time when they say to me, Pastor, well, you know, I, I just don't want to, you know, I'm upset right now and I don't think I can go to God right now because I'm just angry. I'm just angry. And I tell them, I says, uh, you do know that there are Psalms, okay, that actually deal with every emotional manifestation of the humankind. What do you mean, Pastor? I said, well, there are Psalms of anger. There are Psalms of just, I mean, just seeking out revenge. There are Psalms of sadness. There are Psalms of somberness. There are Psalms of happiness and joy. There are Psalms of celebration. There are Psalms, you know, of uh, of just the psalmist wanting revenge and just frustrated. There are psalms of depression. There are psalms of anxiety. There are psalms of expressions of fear. There are all manners of psalms. Why is it that the Spirit of God has allowed these actual psalms to be written and placed in his scripture? Because he's teaching us, I hear it and I see it all. And it is very important that you express those things to me. And that you come to me with all those emotions. That is why when Jesus, it seems like he makes it very general when he says, come to me. But depending on what you're going through when you observe the text, uh, examine the emotion of what you're going through. 
and then say to yourself, Lord, I'm coming to you, and I'm upset. Lord, I'm coming to you, and this has really angered me. Lord, I'm coming to you, and I'm feeling very depressed. Lord, I come to you, and I'm struggling with fear. The victory is in that you are actually coming to Jesus. You are actually coming to him. Your obedience then will actually put you into the dimension to receive the blessing. And the blessing is actually rest in him. Today, I want to just make it very clear. You're coming to Jesus. The world may laugh at it, but it's actually the victory of your faith. The constant coming to Jesus and coming to him and coming to him. It actually is your way of letting the powers of darkness know you have no victory over us. You may wear the world down, but we, the church of Jesus Christ, will always be standing because we have our rest in him. We will always find our rest in him. When I think about Paul and Silas and they were in the prison cell and it says that they were placed there. Uh, I mean, as a student of scripture, when it talks about how they were placed in the innermost part of the prison, okay, in that particular prison cell, you know, there was a class uh, that I took at Princeton and a professor was explaining to me, one of the uh, top scholars right now in the world, um, and he was explaining to us the historical account of that particular prison in which they put Paul and Silas in. And that particular prison um, had many cells, not with iron bars. It was not that type of place. It was actually in a mountain. And that particular, the cells uh, were made of, you know, the bars were made of sticks and all types of uh, pointy objects and stuff like that. And so they, they were made in caves. And so um, they had these prisoners and they put them in these caves, right? But there was one particular cave called the innermost part. Right now, the Romans, they were the ones that came up with the whole concept of the bathrooms inside the home. We have our bathrooms inside our homes today because of Roman engineering. It's because of them. Right. So they put Paul and Silas in this cell. And so the professor starts to explain to us that in those prison cells or in those caves. Right. Um, they had holes in which the actual prisoners could relieve themselves. And so where they would relieve themselves, all the excrement and everything would go into this one particular cave called the innermost cave. And that is where they put Paul and Silas. Two lovers of Jesus Christ, obedient servants, heroes of the faith. And here they are in a prison cell for just preaching the gospel helping to usher people into the kingdom of God, suffering for the cause of Christ. And they're in there while the excrement and everything is coming into the cells. And what do they begin to do? They begin to praise and worship God. They find rest in a place where there is no rest. Why? Because they directed their plea to a person, not to a thing, not to a theory, not to a conspiracy. They directed their faith towards a living person. And when they did that, it says that then an earthquake took place. And if you've read the account, it says that then all the cells were open. 
interesting how God teaches us that we're finding rest. It's not about geographical locations. It's found only in Jesus Christ. Yes, there are beautiful places on this earth, but I can tell you that you could go depressed and go to a beautiful place and still feel empty. Many times when I have gone on vacations and been to beautiful places in which the waters are just crystal, crystal clear and just went drained and found myself in the hotel room doing more praying and just asking God to strengthen me so that at least I can enjoy the time with my family. And I went to him first and said, Lord, I need rest. I need you to take this mental pressure off. And he always came through. That's the beauty is that we know that when we come to him, we will find true rest. I finish with this. Whatever you're going through at this particular time, whatever struggle, small or big, always take that time in your day to create your own type of Sabbath. I was just doing a teaching on Sabbath teaching and how the New Testament church actually lives the actual Sabbath. You know, the Sabbath doesn't have to just be located into a day of the week of one day. You can actually take a Sabbath during the day. Somebody's driving you crazy at work. You know what? In your break time, just take a Sabbath and go before the presence of God and say, Lord, I'm coming to you to find some rest. If it's sometime during the week, do it and just go to him and say, Lord, I'm turning off the TV. I'm turning off my phone. Uh, I need a Sabbath. I need it with you. I am just here just laying myself and laying my heart before you because in doing so you honor him but you also honor the father let us pray father i thank you so much i thank you so much for your heavy presence in this house father you have been with each and every one of us in the day that we were born father you were there because you ordained that day for us to be here on this earth. It is by your will, by your perfect will, that we are here on earth. And Father, we thank you. Father, I thank you so much because you have directed us, O oh Lord God, to the true place of rest, which is in your Son, your beautiful and precious and beloved Son, Jesus. Lord, I thank you because you have brought us, O oh Lord God, to the place of rest, in reconciling us with the Father. Holy Spirit, I thank you because you have provided the rest, O oh Lord, in revealing to us that there is only rest found in the Word of God, the living Word, Jesus Christ, your Son. I thank you. I pray for everyone here. I pray over every family. I pray over every situation, Father, and I put it at your feet. And I ask, Father, that you give them the strength and the courage, Father, to just go before your presence because I know that the surprise that is waiting for them is the power and the strength that you provide in that place of rest. I thank you, Father. I thank you so much, O oh Lord God, because the promise through your Son says here that we will find that rest. Help us to learn, as Jesus said, as he teaches us, give us teachable hearts, O oh Lord God. And we, O oh Lord God, will find that rest. Give us strength to bear the yoke. O oh Lord, thank you for that. And help us, O oh Lord God, to these intermissions that you will lead us to. This I ask and this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
praise God.
So uh, I'd like to uh, extend a great thank you for that awesome message. To Brother Angel, thank you so much for coming and blessing us today. All right, all right. Thank you so much, everybody. So, Lord, give us this day and help us to be worthy of everything you've given us. Uh, help us to treat each other with equanimity. Help us to treat each other the way that you would treat all of us. Um, please watch out over us as we go about our daily tasks. And thank you for all the blessings and help us to be worthy of you. In Christ's name we pray. And the people said... Amen. Amen.